Hey everybody, the Eleven Dubcast is back. I am Michael Citro. I'm Johnny Ginter. And Johnny, it's been a long time. Yeah, um, it's been like a month. It's so it's long. It's been like roughly a month, and every month in the off season is equal to a Westeros winter. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Uh, <laughs> it, well, like, because I'm a teacher, so I don't really, you know, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with yeah, you don't long. Mind. I can be a sweet summer child and just like chill out and do nothing for an extended period of time and be totally cool with that. But, you know, I I don't know. I was thinking about this the other day, right? Like, school starts up and I'm like, oh my god, this is crazy and I'm tired and just want to not be in school when it starts. But then football also starts. That's kind of like my, you know, it's my baby Tylenol to, to keep me going. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I enjoy the off-season because I don't have to work, but on the other hand, I am getting a little anxious for some actual news to happen. Uh, but, the, you know, what's that ancient curse, you know, made you live in interesting times? I'm kind of in right. this really dull off-season right now. Yeah, if you're going to have an off-season, it's got to be a dull one. Yeah. It just has to be. Um, but, you know, I was so I was doing a little research. I was looking at some of the schedules for this uh, non-conference schedule story that I ran uh, this week. On. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 11 Warriors, yeah. and I just started getting, you know, the juices were flowing. It's like, when are these games going to happen? I want these games to happen. I want them now, you know. And uh, They're not going to happen now. you got to wait. you got to be patient. They're not. Yeah, they're not going to happen for two months. Yeah, uh, yeah it's that... brutal. So are you, are you supremely excited for all those fantastic out-of-conference games? You know, there are some good ones. There are some good ones. I, I have to say there are some absolute dog crap uh schedules in out of conference play um Penn State and Indiana notably have really really bad out of conference schedules this year. Well, Wisconsin I, I guess has they're going to have some good ones, right? Like eventually, I think. Maybe not. Wisconsin has been uh, like they're like the benchmark for craptastic non-conference right. uh, opponents, but the last two years they've gotten like this wild hair up their rear end that they've wanted to play like a really good SEC team in some neutral place like Texas. And you know, go take a beating. Uh, I just think so, they've been like shopping themselves around the South, just in hope that you know Bielema will take the bait. You know what I mean? And like, <laughs> yeah, 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 we'll bring you back in, and then we will murder you at halftime. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm personally really excited again uh, to see you know how Ohio State fares against the likes of Hawaii, Northern Illinois, and Western Michigan. I think those are going to be some really kick-ass games. Well, you know, two of those teams were bowl teams, so that already puts Ohio State's okay. schedule ahead no, of a lot no, of those that's teams. No longer, that's no longer a indicator of anything. When you've got, what, we got like 48 bowls now? Like, well, I don't... yeah, there's a, okay, but, but let's compare. Okay, you've got to at least win six, seven games to be in a bowl okay. game. And so? look at some of these other schools are playing teams that did not, in fact, make a bowl game. So that tells I you guess. the difference. You know, that tells you the difference in the level. But that's, that's so, half the Big Ten, you know, regular you know schedule. So I'm not. I really... mean, if you're gonna play a Mac school, like play a good Mac school, right? Yes. Like, Northern Illinois is a good Mac school. They Why are not? a good Mac school, and I'm, I don't, you know, I, and it's, if you're gonna play, you know, a Mac school, like you said, Northern Illinois, you could do a lot worse. Um, Western Michigan, a while ago, you could do a lot worse. Uh, now, not so much. Um, I don't even know what's going on with Hawaii. I do not envy that flight for those guys. That's God. <laughs> um, yes, and Hawaii is playing multiple Big Ten opponents this year, by the that's way. That's stupid. 
They are they're they're dumb. Why would they even bother doing that? By the way, have, I been, have you ever been to Hawaii? <laughs> I have been to Hawaii. There, it's it's. Why would you ever stadium? leave? I've I've seen it from the outside. I've not been inside Aloha Stadium. Yeah, I've not been in. I, I've been around Aloha Stadium. But I've been like right outside it, like on the street in front of it. Like that's how close I. Yeah, I've like walked around it. Like I basically, I just wanted to see it, you know, and see what it looked like. And I've walked around it. It sucks. Like I understand why they want to <laughs> play on the road because they live in Hawaii, right? Like oh, it's Hawaii. It's so great. Aloha Stadium is like the swamp. You know, it's like the Gator Stadium, but but with even less people generally. So I, you know, I get that they want to travel. I don't know that they really want to travel like eight hours to Ohio or Illinois or wherever the hell they're going. Um, that's going to suck for them, especially, I don't know. <laughs> they're going to, they're going to Wisconsin. So they're going to Madison and Columbus. All right. Fair enough. And and that's, again, I don't, <laughs> I don't know why they would do that. <laughs> More power to them, I guess. I, you know, the Rainbow Warriors, I'm, you know, I'm pulling up their, you know, they've got their conference schedule. They're going to play San Diego State, Nevada, Air. I mean, that's as close as they're going to get, right? Like, they're not going to be able to, yeah. I mean, God, Ohio State is just such a, a drag for those guys. Uh, and then Virginia Tech, I guess, which everyone's saying is going to be closer than most people think, right? Like, people are expecting a blowout. And like, oh, no, 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 they're pretty good. I can't imagine that being within two touchdowns or three touchdowns, but whatever. So I couldn't I couldn't imagine that last year, but it happened. Yeah, well, I did. I, I predicted. I, I I famously in my own. You did famously, loss, yeah. Which no one will give me credit for because it was a loss. But I have given you credit for picking that loss and 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 the large portion of the blame. In fact, that's fair. Not just credit. You also get the blame. I appreciate that. Um. Yeah, I don't know. So I, I, I understand where you're coming from when you're looking ahead to the games and you want to get it started. I'm just kind of soaking up the boring right now. I'm, I'm, I've made my peace with the off season. I hope it continues to be boring. There's nothing worse than an exciting off season. That's like the worst thing in the world because you are waiting for football and you want football to happen. But not only is it not happening, but bad things are happening while you're waiting for it. And that's probably the worst thing that you can experience as a fan. And this is speaking as yeah. a dude who like pulled super Jim Trestle duty when he was involved with all that jazz. And I was writing basically everything for the site related to that because everything was coming out on my assigned days and it was, it was not good. It was bad. Yeah. And it's worse when you're an Ohio state fan that lives in the South and stuff like that. Oh, happened. I bet. Yeah. It's, it's, it's brutal. It's oh, absolutely brutal. I visited uh, my sister down in Vanderbilt when there was some kind of somebody, it was like maybe somebody got some money or something like that. And my sister went to Vanderbilt for undergrad, so my family visited her for graduation or she was moving in or something like that. And Vanderbilt fans were giving me the business for where, first of all, that just perfectly, I think, encapsulates the mentality <laughs> of SEC fans that a Vanderbilt fan feels qualified to give anyone the business about anything aside from like trust fund money. So that was, that was pretty infuriating by it, you know, in of itself. But like, I don't know. I, it's, it's not fun when bad things are happening and it's certainly not fun when you've got a ways to go until, uh, actual football is going to be played. So I'm enjoying the boringness. I don't care. That's whatever. I hope nothing else happens and we're all forced to write really stupid articles for the next six or eight weeks. I don't care. What a- yeah. We, I think we probably need an update on the top ten fossils in the Big Ten. You know what? That was good. All right? I'm not... <laughs> I'm I didn't of the, say it wasn't. I'm I didn't say it wasn't. 
I enjoyed those. Right. I enjoyed them. I think there were a few times when you had some cop outs, but <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought they were overall was, pretty good. I enjoyed them. <laughs> so, what is your what's your story of the of this of the off season so far for Ohio State? What's your what's your pick for story of the off what, season? The most significant one. Yeah, Urban Meyer's basement getting flooded. Because Urban I was Meyer's talking to you about flooded. before we before we recorded, Urban Meyer has a cathode ray cathode ray tube TV in his basement from like 1993. This is a man who's worth what, 10 to $15 million probably? And yet he still owns a television that looks like, you know, something you get from Odd Lots to put in, you know, a rec center, you know, for <laughs> disadvantaged kids. Like, it, it, it looks really, really stupid, and his basement flooded. And then uh, Shelly Meyer posted another update pick where, um, like, they took out all the drywall and stuff. <laughs> I kept thinking, like, what did they do with the Gatherade 2 TV? Where did they put it? I bet they put it maybe in his son's room. like, we can fix this. This is your TV. <laughs> you know, maybe it's something like Shelly got him that as a gift for, like, going undefeated at Utah or something like that. Utah. Like, maybe it's I got some like, sentimental I'm sorry. value. If I have that kind of money, I'm going to hire a jester to entertain me. Like, that's that's the kind of rich he is. He, he does not need a CRT TV to just have his jollies in the base. Like, it looks like a basement from a dude who lives below you know, like an accountant. Like, it's really weird. It's, it's, I don't know why he has that television. And I actually think a little less of him for it. So there's like nothing on his walls either. No, it's, it's <laughs> creepy, right? Like it's looking weird. It's, it's like he just moved in and it was like, maybe somebody, the previous tenant left that TV because right. they didn't want to move it or something. Right. Like, it's really weird. Like, this is, maybe that's, you know what? Maybe that's his sub basement. Maybe he's so rich. He has like five basements. And they just get increasingly crappier the lower in levels they get. So maybe that basement is like ten miles below the Earth's surface, and he's like, "Oh, I would, yeah. a crappy TV. Sorry." Yeah, I would have a bomb shelter, like a fallout shelter and stuff yeah. like that. If I was that rich, I mean, I would, you know, I'd be stocked up for doomsday. I would make a vault like in the video game Fallout, and cool. I would stock it with like, I don't know, I'd do some kind of weird social experiment like they do in those in those video games, those video games. Um, I don't know. What do you what do you think the the story of the summer is so far? Well, I think it has to be something that you and I probably wouldn't have expected is Braxton getting cleared to throw. Oh yeah, this no, I didn't I didn't expect that either. Although I guess the larger issue, and this is something we're going to be talking way more about, is do you think that's significant? As in, do you think that really matters for a guy who is going to be competing for the starting quarterback job or a guy who is going to be used as an H-back to occasionally throw the ball to a tight end or something? I think if if Braxton Miller, and I don't have any indication otherwise, wants to play quarterback, it's imperative that he is actually able to throw the football (laughs) when camp opens. Yeah, I feel like that's a a good plan, to be able to throw the football. Not not just in general, which is a good thing for a quarterback, but when camp opens, like specifically, because... If you get behind JT Barrett and Cardale Jones, you're not going to catch up to them. No. Well, and that's they're, the other thing. Like, they're we too have, good. You know, we're all big on Braxton throwing, which I get. You know, it's significant. But JT being mobile and stuff, too, is a big deal, right? Like, if all three of those guys are capable of competing, that's going to be one hell of a storyline for the entire month of August. I mean, that's... I would actually love to just sit and watch the training camp practices, the quarterback battle. Oh, I, I mean, like, I, would, I would pay big money for that. Yeah, no, every second of that's going to be riveting just because, I mean, that's, 
that is pure competition right there. You know what I mean? Like that, every single thing that they're doing is going to be part of the quarterback competition. It's not like, oh, well, I missed that pass, but, you know, I'll get the next one. I mean, they're going to be evaluated on every single thing that they do throughout the entire summer. The entire yeah. camp, they're just going to be like, they got to be perfect because the next dude is going to be right on them if they're not. And I, you know, in a way, in a perverse, like, sad kind of way, I think that's amazing. And, and that's something that I really enjoy, you know, following and learning about. But I'm sure for them, that's got to be a ridiculous pressure cooker. I mean, although maybe personally, they don't really feel that way. And and if one guy's kind of sitting pretty and kind of, you know, chilling out on this, it's probably JT Barrett because that dude's got what the other, guy, other guys don't have, which is time. Um so we'll, we'll see how that kind of develops, I think. The one caveat that I think I want to add to that is I really, 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 really hope that once it comes down to who it's going to be, that we just as a fan base, you know, in general, kind of throw our support behind that dude. Because yeah. I'm personally concerned about what will happen if, let's say, Cardell wins the job, right? Theoretically. Uh-huh. And okay. he throws a couple picks in one of the first couple games or something like that. And we still win or whatever, blah, blah, And otherwise, he looks good. But people are going to be like, well, I think I'm in Braxton Mathers camp. And then we start this whole back and forth, which lasts the entire season. I think it's imperative that, A, the guy who gets the job is consistent and doesn't allow for that. And, B, uh, you know, we don't buy into this whole quarterback debate narrative that will start to be pumped up by places like ESPN and whatnot. Um, should one of the guys like stumble a little bit early, you know, or oh, whoever gets to start, you know, that's happening. You, you know, that's going to happen that if, if whoever wins the starting job has a bad game, yeah, it's going to start. No, I know it's, it's going to happen, but I, I feel like we can do stuff to like counteract that a little bit, especially 11 warriors. We have a pretty big voice. I think in, in, in the past, I think we've been really good about that kind of stuff where we identify really stupid things that could become kind of part of the narrative and we call it out. And I think that's something that we need to do as a site where we say, this is stupid. We're going to be calm about this. We're going to look at it objectively. If they suck and they do need to be replaced, we'll say that, obviously. But we're not mm-hmm. going to, like, freak out over one game or one pass or something. Right. And I'm sure that even, you know, most of our readers are, are pretty level-headed folks. And, and Yeah, we have we have a pretty good comment. And we, do a good, we do a good job at that. But what this is driven by is the fringe fans who call sports talk radio. Yeah. And and you know people wanting page clicks and that those are the people that drive those quarterback controversy in Columbus right. stories you know and then you know and there there are a very three very separate camps of people who want Braxton Miller to win this job want J T Barrett to win the job want Cardell Jones to I'm win a, the job. I'm in I'm in Steve I'm in the Stephen Collier corner that's me I'm going Joey Burrow Joey Burrow. <laughs> All right, you know we talked to Joe. He seems like he's got a good head on his shoulders. Like, yeah, he's, he's going to be a good. Look, one. He's, he's going to be a very good one. I mean, let's be but honest. I, Ohio State has had pretty good success with quarterbacks with zero experience. So why would we not want to buy into that? Why would we not try to continue that trend? I say you just recruit, you know, like twelve or fifteen quarterbacks, and then just use a different one every game. And that's and that's a perfect idea. I think that's exactly what we should do because history has shown that works you? out perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's a long line of historic, historical uh, data proving that 12 to 15 quarterbacks well, is what you I mean, I said in the past, right, like they should never actually name a starter, right? It should be like the Steward of Gondor in Lord of the Rings where there is no real king. There is no real starting quarterback. Everybody is the nominal backup, and they just rotate backups. That's all. 
Let me ask you this. Yeah. Will Buckeye Nation accept this if it's a platoon situation? Uh, if Urban says, you know what? I like what Cardale brings to the table. I like what JT brings to the table. They do different things. Let's use them both. I, I mean, I personally wouldn't like that. I think a platoon system is stupid. But if he said that's what we're going to do and he said it's going to work, I feel like he has built up enough cachet at this point where people would probably allow for it to happen, you know, and not freak out about it for maybe two quarters. And then after that, people <laughs> would just completely lose their minds and say, this is not working. Uh, but I think he has built up enough cachet after winning the national championship. It will be about 30 minutes and they'll be okay. And, and then after that, it's, it's not going to work. But for about 30 minutes, if they're brilliant, then maybe people allow it to continue after that. Uh, the first time somebody has to punt. Oh, we should have oh, yeah, the other guy no, absolutely, in. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and just, uh, let me tell you this. I and and you as well. We lived through the Joe Germain Stanley Jackson. Yeah, I, you know I'm old enough to remember that. And it was not good. It was no. not good at all. And the main reason it was not good was because Stanley Jackson wasn't good, and John Cooper wouldn't admit it. Right. And, and honestly, like I like Stanley Jackson because I, you know, even as a kid, I was sucker for guys who were a little more mobile and things like that. But Joe Germain was clearly the better quarterback and should have been the complete total starter. So, But in this case, maybe you don't have that. I mean, if Braxton Miller is 100%, even if his arm isn't, I mean, his legs probably are, which are otherworldly. And then if you've got Cardale Jones... Oh, I mean, Jesus. Did you see the shape the guy's in? Oh, I mean, God. It's, it's completely insane. Yeah, he's he is a, like I said, I think otherworldly might be the best way to put it. Because there's a lot of dudes who are in shape, but he's literally a wizard. Uh, with his legs, so no, I'm saying, I mean, it's like poof, he's gone. You know, it's I know, spell I know. and he's he's not there anymore. So if he's good to go and Cardell's good to go, they both have very different skill sets, and if they are playing at the top of their games, then it's possible that it could work. I, I don't like it because I think football, especially, is a game of reps, um, and the more you get, the better you'll be. But you know. If if Urban says okay, then I like most people give him two quarters and then I'll start complaining. So there you go. All right, one more quick question before we bring in our guests. Uh, where do you see D'Angelo Russell uh, landing? <laughs> it's a place horrible. <laughs> I don't know. I, mean, I think you might <laughs> go. I, I think the Knicks. I, I, I think the Knicks are going to do it. Uh, I think they'll pull the trigger on him. But I man. I feel bad for him. That's the thing about the NBA, right? Because these teams tank, and then these really good players end up just going in the worst possible spot. Like, there's nothing surrounding them. They're asked to do everything, and then a lot of them burn out. I mean, Anthony Davis might be an exception. He's, he's There's clearly something that they're building there. But for most of these guys, they're just thrust into a position with no help, no support. And in college, D'Angelo Russell would get away with that, right? Because he's playing against other college mm-hmm. players. But in the NBA, man, that that chews guys up and spits them out. And I I think he's a really talented player, but I think he's in some trouble, and I'm, I'm a little worried about it. You know, the thing about the NBA that amazes me is that, you know, these are the, these are the best basketball players, and I watch a ton of college basketball. Yeah. And yet the guys that end up being starters in the NBA, a good portion of them are guys who I have to go, where the hell did that guy go to college? Oh, yeah. Why have I never Absolutely. heard of this guy? And it's it's amazing to me because, you know, for the NBA, you need a certain body type usually. You have to be able to shoot unbelievably. And most of the guys that make it in the NBA, you go, you go look back to their college career and go, this guy never shot like that in college. Yeah, I, I, I got to tell you something. First of all, I think 
I actually think about that too, and I think it goes down to two things. One is I think body type, like you mentioned, is a big deal. Uh, you know, college basketball is a different game than the NBA, and a yeah. lot of the guys who do not find consistent places or maybe don't fit into the program that a guy like Thad Motter or Mike Krzyzewski or any of these other dudes might want to run uh, do fit in in smaller colleges, right, where they're just a big guy. And then they just develop their shooting game the entire time that they're in, in college and they end up making an impact in the NBA because, A, they didn't get hurt a lot because they weren't really asked to, like, you know, do a bunch of crazy, like, banging in the middle and paint and stuff. Uh, and, B... I think they just have developed a game due to the fact that they're kind of an outlying player that translates better to the NBA than the college game. Because that's the thing. Like, you know, Evan Turner is an incredibly talented dude. He's a head case, but he's an incredibly talented guy. But he's a college player through and through. Like, he's Mr. Everything. And mm -hmm. if you're not LeBron James, the NBA really doesn't want you to do that. You know? Like, they want guys who are specialized, who have, who have that role that they're really, really great at. Evan Turner's not really that dude. You know, Jared Soldier really isn't that dude. And the guys who flourish in the NBA are guys who are really, really, really great at, like, one or two things. So we'll we'll see how it goes with him. I, I really like um, D'Angelo Russell. I, as a player, I love his confidence. But, yeah, I don't know. I'm a little nervous. So we'll see. <laughs> All right, joining us on this month's edition of the 11 Dubcast. It's kind of weird saying this month because we, we do it weekly all year long, and then the summer comes and it kind of screws us all up. Uh, but joining us is uh, Eric Sager, 11 Warriors football beat writer. Eric, how are you doing tonight? Terrific. Thanks for having me on, guys. First of all, how did your softball team do? Oh, we lost. Uh, <laughs> we saw a 19-3 big L, so... But hey, we led okay. for the first time all season, so yeah, baby steps, Eric. Baby, baby steps. steps, exactly. Oh my God! You <laughs> so know what? we I want to have you on. Real quick, I was on a intramural softball team in grad school with all the people who are in my grad school cohort, and I we lost every game. And not only did we lose every game, I take it back. We won one game because the other team had the bare minimum amount of people and didn't weren't able to field an entire team. Um, but yeah, we, nerdy. I guess nerdy grad school social studies high school teachers are not like you're not you know, athletic. They're not well. They're not your. Uh, they're not your murderers row. Let's put it that way. At least not all well, together. Young young sports writers are not either. We uh, <laughs> we've won one game. We've won one game this year, and it was because the other team did not show up. It was a forfeit. Awesome. So. Well, uh, but are you sponsored by the Outer Inn? That's what I want to know. We are not, unfortunately. Okay. I think someone made that call, but they never call us back. Now you really missed the boat because it's worth it. <laughs> uh, well, Eric, we wanted to have you on because we we made the mistake with Patrick Max of not having him on until he was leaving us. Yeah, <laughs> and we didn't want to make that mistake with you. So uh, I wanted to start out by asking you because this is the summer and it's been a a pretty quiet summer. It has. What are the what are the some of the things that you've you know, worked on this summer. What are some of the stories that people might not be familiar with with the team? Obviously, Marcellus Jones uh, left uh, to go to Kentucky. Uh, uh -huh. You know that kind of thing. What are you? What are you? Uh, what's going on with the Buckeyes here in the off season? Well, I think the biggest topic of conversation is what you mentioned with Marcellus Jones. 
And that's kind of like saying how quiet of a summer it's been so far, if that's the biggest topic, uh, for the simple fact that no one's really, you know, gotten in trouble, I guess is the best way to say it. And the last two summers we had some incidents with Carlos Hyde and Bradley Roby and the years before that, you know, with Jake Stoneburner and other guys peeing behind dumpsters and whatnot. <laughs> um, but I think that was that situation with Marcellus was just kind of, it was kind of a mutual agreement as Ohio State um, issued a statement on it saying that, but I just didn't get the vibe that he was really, I guess, liked around the program a whole lot um, because no one really mentioned him a whole lot. And some other people were telling me that he's kind of been lazy and not doesn't really like to put in extra effort, whether it's like working out when no one else is working out or working out on weekends, that type of situation. So I think it's going to be a good move for for both sides because he was really high on Kentucky in his recruitment to begin with. So that's where he's going and he'll find a home there and it gets Ohio state down to 85 scholarships. So, and that was a big thing everyone was worrying about coming out of spring football, but as they do, they always figure it out. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So I want to focus on that part because to me, I mean, we talked about like what the biggest story is and whatever. I feel like that might be the biggest story. We're all kind of like avoiding a little bit. And how do you how do you personally feel about that? Because you know, I know we were like, "How's he going to get to eighty five? Eh, don't worry about it. He's going to do it. He's going to do it." Well, are these happy accidents that we're just coincidentally getting to eighty five, or is it maybe a little more than that? Honestly, I think it's probably a little bit of both. Um, more on the side of, the, I guess, the unhappy divorces. Um, like I think that. Judging by some things I saw on Twitter with Marcellus, I don't think he wanted to leave, um, but it was quote-unquote, I'm not saying he was pushed out, but it was basically they told him to try to find another situation that could work for him. Um, But in the sense of coming out of the end of last season, I mean, even before spring when the fourth-year juniors of Chris Carter and Antonio Underwood, I mean, those guys were, they never really played. I mean, Chris Carter played here and there towards the end, but when he was in, we noticed against Wisconsin and Alabama and then Oregon that they had success when the defensive line had him on there uh, more often than not. So I think that those guys graduated and took their degrees, but at the same time, the coaching staff might have told them, we have some other younger players coming in to take your spot, and we feel that since you've been here for four years, you might as well try to find something else to do with your life. And I think, I mean, as, as dirty as that sounds, it happens everywhere in big in big schools. I mean, it has to. I mean, if you look down at Alabama, they oversign consistently, and their influx is like going crazy. I think I saw a couple of weeks ago that a running back who enrolled early, just like Jamel Dean did for Ohio State, is un- is ineligible to play this fall. And it's like he enrolled in January. How does that make sense that he's ineligible now? Maybe he didn't make the grade when he came to Alabama, but. Knowing what I know about the SEC, I don't think it's that difficult to make the grade there. So it is what it is, but it's not anything to gripe about too much because, I mean, they're going to make decisions anyways. And, frankly, those guys that have left the program, they weren't going to play anyways. So there's really no sense getting too excited about it, I guess. Yeah, I'm one of those people. I never want to see a kid get forced out of a school where he wants to be. But at the same time, you know, there are situations like – Let's take Rod Smith, for example, and mm-hmm. guys like that. You've got Urban Meyer saying, basically had said, I didn't think any, any way this guy was still going to be around and that kind of thing. And 
and, right. and he went and he worked hard and he proved that he wanted to be there and he did what was asked of him. And there's there's a world of difference between that and someone who won't put in the work. Yeah, that, it's I agree with you completely, and that's that's a perfect example right there. I mean, that guy just ran out of chances. There's there's no other way to say it because I remember. Uh, let's see, he was kicked off the team, I think, in October, around Halloween or something like that. And a few mm-hmm. weeks before that, we were hanging around, like media was hanging around uh, on Wednesday night after practice when we had interviews, and they were rather brief, as they always are. So we were just kind of hanging around and talking to Jerry Emick and kind of giving him crap and whatnot. And Coach Meyer came out from the locker room, and he had mentioned something about a block um, that Rod Smith had I'm sure you guys know about it against Navy on a, on a punt return. And he was going nuts about it that Monday um, at the press conference. So we were like, okay. Like we asked him about it again. And he was like, do you guys want to see it? And we said, sure, absolutely. And I think it was like me and maybe four or five other people just went in there, went into the team room and he pulled out the film and popped it on. And he was just, I mean, he was glowing. It was, <laughs> I, I have never seen him like that talking about a four string tailback or a third string tailback. I mean, and it was an impressive play, and he showed it from a lot of angles. And then he asked us not to, like, specifically single out the Navy player, just make the story about Rod. So we did that. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that was a great effort play. And then I think, obviously, something had to happen for him to get kicked out with the final straw because, I mean, I think Urban Meyer's track record shows, even when he was up at Florida, if you're good, you'll get a, a, a second chance, maybe a third. But anything beyond that, then you're going to be out. Yeah. Uh, well, you know what? I've got a maybe a more pressing question for you. And so it's a little hypothetical. Let's say you, Eric, were making, I don't know, four to five million dollars a year, something like that. What kind of <laughs> yeah. television would you have in your basement? <laughs> well, I don't make anywhere near that. And I have told my girlfriend, who I hope to have a future with at some point, um, that when we get enough money to afford nice things that I want an 80 inch TV in my basement, flat screen that like when I'm watching a football game, the players are bigger than me and I'm sitting there watching <laughs> it. So that's, that's, that's the kind of TV that I would have. And I'm guessing so you wouldn't have like to, a 32 inch CRT TV just chilling out in your basement. I would not. I, I would, uh, especially on the ground. I mean, come on, man, <laughs> like at least put it on an entertainment center or like get a flat screen and mount that on the wall. I mean, come on. Yeah, uh, that's that's a fortune. This is an important topic for Johnny, by the way. I'm this really is, upset this, about this it. Is, I don't, this I don't has been can't a, be, fathom how someone with that much money <laughs> spends that little amount of money on a television in their, in their like, supposedly cool basement. I don't know. Whatever. This right. is 15 and minutes of our dubcast right here. And, he, and he's driving around in Mercedes and doing this and that, and he's got all these. The thing that I've noticed, too, about Coach Meyer is he wears, like, polos and windbreakers and long sleeves that no one else has ever seen before. Like he's the only guy that has them. And I'm like, how, I mean, I know that they have a huge contract with Nike so he can get whatever he wants, but I mean, not even the players have it. Who, who, what kind of guy, I mean, it's an interesting dude who gets a personally tailored polo shirt. You know what I mean? Like somebody's like, right. I'm going to go into a fitting today for some slacks. I need some good khaki right. slacks. I need somebody to measure me properly for these. Like, I don't know. It's just, I, it's, it's interesting the way coaches' minds work. Like, I would love to see the houses of every major college football coach just to see what kind of crap they're putting in them because it's, it's got to be insane. Like, Les Miles probably has some like torture dungeon in his basement. 
Like I would, if oh, I could only see one room, it'd be the basement just to see what kind of people they are. Right, like the man cave, if it exists or not. Yeah, that's what I I'm agree. saying, right? I don't, I don't want to see Bert's house. I'm just gonna go on the record. <laughs> it's just, it's just he's a probably bunch got of like, bones. yeah, he's probably got like three or four fridges down there, just full of, you know, cured meat and things like that nature. Yeah. Oh my God. So you know, I want to talk about speaking of uh, Urban's car a minute ago. Um, so parking gate the other day. Uh, right. <laughs> so walk on kicker uh, or or um, I guess transfer grad transfer kicker. Grad transfer, from yeah. Duke comes in and parks at Urban's spot, and Urban parks him in, and, <laughs> and hilarity ensues. Were you on the ground for that particular story? What what I happened? Did. How did that get uh, resolved? David funny because when they when dj first posted the story about it i was kind of looking at the photo and i was wondering where it was at because you know i spent a lot of time over at the woody or as much as they allow us to and then i realized that it was in the gated in you know place where only players and coaches can park so i was like i'm really bored like i don't have anything to do so i went over and drove just to like kind of get some do some recon and figure out who in the world it was and then you know with our vast knowledge of the internet and Google, we figured out that it was Jack Willoughby's car. But um, beyond that, I went back a little bit later, and, and it's, it was like before 7 o'clock, which I was surprised that Urban was gone because I know that they spent forever at the Woody. So, I mean, that was just a weird situation. For one, because the, his plates are from Alaska, and then they have a boarding <laughs> school from the East Coast, and then he went to Duke. And it just didn't, it didn't make any sense. But then when we looked it up and it said his dad spent some time in Alaska and he was sent to boarding school in New Jersey, I think it was. And then he got into Duke and went to Duke. So I, I don't know. I, I, I don't blame coach Meyer for doing that, but it was the first day and you got to kind of give the kid a break. I mean, there were spots available. Like you could just pull in and then go in and tell him <laughs> no, to move. The whole thing was empty except this one car and an urban right. car There's behind not a it. sign there either. Is there? <laughs> No, there isn't, but it's pretty widely known that that's his. But, I mean, the kid, it was his first day. He had to report. I mean, give him a break. Right. That's really funny. <laughs> no, I, well, you know, it's a story that he's going to be able to tell, you know, the rest of his life to everybody. That's that he true. Knows. So, Even if he doesn't play this year, it's very true. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Like, your one interaction with the head coach is like, well, he, me, he double-parked me in. Like, I couldn't move, and then I just rode the bench the entire rest of the season. That was great. That was my experience as an Ohio State Buckeye. I hate Urban Meyer for part. <laughs> He's telling his grandkids, you know, 60 years from now, whatever. Right. And that's why I hate them. Um, I don't know. So here's here we were kind of asking each other, like, what we think the biggest story of the offseason is. A- aside from Urban's basement getting flooded and him parking a dude in, what do you what do you think the biggest story so far is of the uh, of the offseason? I mean, it's got to be, it's got to be the quarterbacks, just because yeah. I know everyone's tired of talking about it, um, but it's it's really it needs to get our full attention come August because and it will, because it's unprecedented and we really there's so many variables variables to it and like I was at camp the other day, one of the one day camps that OSU hosts like recruits and whatnot. Just I went to watch Tristan Wallace, who by the way is every bit of six three two thirty, and he's He's, he looks good throwing that ball. But aside from that, Braxton was there tossing with uh, Michael Thomas, and that was the first time that we had seen him throw anything since he had um, hurt himself again last August. So that was interesting. I mean, he was just lobbing the ball. It wasn't anything 
intense, but I don't know if that's because he can't do it or if the medical staff won't let him do that. So I think in general that story is the biggest because I saw Athlon put out their preseason All-American team, and Cardell Jones was their fourth-string fourth quarterback. And he's mm. like, how can you even make that an assumption? Because you don't even know if he's going to be the starter. I mean, and then <laughs> we've seen videos that the coach t- coaches tweet where JT Barrett is moving fluently, and if you are an outsider looking in, like not fully engulfed in Ohio State 24-7, you would see him and say, oh, I didn't know that you had major ankle surgery seven months ago. And it's just, it, it's there's so many variables because – you don't know how those guys are going to come back. You don't know if they're going to use more than one. You don't know if any of them are going to change positions. And it's unbelievable to me that I've never seen anything like this before. I know that I'm really young, but I I was really bored one day looking back to see if I could find any sort of story like this at all, like any sort of quarterback quandary. And they all have two guys, not three. And none of them are coming back off of injury. So it's that's the biggest story to me, but – I'm excited to see how it plays out. Yeah, I can tell you that, I mean, that's what I said. I said Braxton Miller being able to throw the ball at this point was huge to me because I didn't think he'd be able to throw till you know, at least mid-August. Agreed. Uh, with the with the surgery, type of surgery he had and everything. It's, it's unbelievable that we're, I mean, that we're having to deal with this because usually when you have a quarterback controversy or, or a battle, it's not a good thing. It's usually... Somebody hasn't stepped up. Exactly. In this case, I think these guys are just, you know, bringing us one step closer to my dream of a all quarterback wishbone offense. A triple option, I could see yeah. it. <laughs> um, so, give us a little bit of an update on uh, some of the other guys that have been banged up um, in terms of where they are. Guys like Dontre Wilson and Johnny Dixon and guys like that. Right. Uh, well, Dontre tweeted the other day that he's 100%, and I saw him. It was actually that day at camp. He was running around helping out, um, you know, tut- tutoring the wide receivers and whatnot, and he was running around, and he didn't have a boot on or anything. So I think that he's – I think he's really good to go. Um, as far as the other players, I mean, other than Braxton and JT, the team's really healthy. And it's – yeah, Joey Bosa had his foot in the boot, but come on. We're talking about Joey Bosa. Like, this this guy, he ate people last year. Like, a sprained <laughs> foot is not going to really stop him. And I think the only way that he's not going to play is if he has a broken bone that he physically cannot perform to a level that's even at 80% of what he did last year. Um, aside from that, like I said, everybody's really healthy. I, I'm struggling to think even think of people right now outside of your Dontre Wilson. And I think Cam Burroughs had surgery on his foot or ankle. He posted an Instagram photo. Which is interesting because I think he was going to slide in and compete for the nickel spot, uh, just because Armani is Armani Reeves is like out of football because he has concussion issues. Um, so that, other than Cam, I can't think of anyone else that's really like I guess update or watch um, that would see significant minutes this fall. Yeah, I mean that's. I guess one of the things that everybody kind of wants to know is, you know, who the guys are going to be who, you know, are taking over some of the spots. Uh, is there anybody that you've seen, like, just around camp and, and, you know, in the spring and whatnot that you're kind of looking forward to seeing how they perform in fall camp? Yes, I am. Uh, the big name for me, I, I will be watching intently for however much we get to watch, is Sam Hubbard. I mean, that guy, 
he's up to like 270 now. And then you just take a step back and you think, this guy played safety in high school. Safety. <laughs> and he's 270 pounds, just pure muscle right now. And we saw what he could do in the spring game. Yeah, he was going against the hodgepodge offensive line, but he made Stephen Collier's life miserable that day. So it, I think... I really think that he has a chance to line up opposite of Joey Bosa um, just because I don't really think that there's anybody else that's there on the defensive line that can really compete with his, like his, he's got long arms. He seems like he's smart and he tackles well. So the defensive line is a big area, I guess, of concern if there is one with this team, just because the losses of Steve Miller and Michael Bennett loom large, and Tommy Shutt hasn't really been consistent in his career. He's been hurt a lot. Um, who's going to step in at defensive end? So those guys, to me, are big. And then I think another name on the defense that people are kind of just assuming is going to play well because he had experience last year is Raekwon McMillan. But, I mean, he has got so much more responsibility this year just to the simple fact of like a leadership standpoint, because Curtis Grant was the heart and soul of that defense. As much as we don't want to say it, he was. I mean, emotionally, getting everybody going. He knew what he was doing. Um, he really came on at the end of his senior year and had a nice year. Um, you know, they, with, with him gone, there's a big void there. Granted, McMillan's got a lot of help with two returning starters next to him, with Darren Lee and Joshua Perry, but that's a big area of concern. And middle linebacker is a quarterback of your defense. So, before we let you get out of here, what uh, what have you seen from the freshmen coming in that says this guy might see some playing time this year? Who are, who are the guys you're looking at? Um, well, I think the one name that you have to consider, I guess, that has jumped out is Nick Connor, just because of the spring game. He played well. You know, he's an early enrollee, so he's been here for six months now. Well, he's been here forever because he's from Dublin, but. Um, he's been at Ohio State for six months. But I think that is kind of a log jam right now. But he could produce on special teams, I think. Um, and don't sleep on Jake Sean Cornell either for defensive end. I was talking about Sam Hubbard before, but um, Adolphus Washington and Bosa were both blowing Cornell up a lot this spring. And he's a he's a big kid, and he's got a lot of talent. So don't sleep on him. And then, I mean, as much as – we talk about the depth at a wide receiver for Ohio State. K.J. Hill, I think, has a good chance to see some time because they lost, you know, Devin Smith and Evan Spencer. Those are two seniors, and Devin's deep threat was a huge reason that Ohio State won the national championship last year because Cardell could throw it to him and nobody else could catch him. So they, they're going to be missing that. And I, I just, as much as the coaching staff has shown that they're going to adapt to the personnel that they have, I think that they have to – address that and I think KJ Hill could be that guy all right Eric Sager 11 Warriors football beat writer we uh we really appreciate you coming on giving us a little bit of an update and I'm sure we're gonna have you on uh here when fall camp starts up so you can uh give us some some insider info absolutely we'll be locked in the woody as soon as they allow us to come there you guys enjoy the rest of your summer I hope that we can talk again soon All right, joining us now is Dr. Aloya Earl. She is our 11 Warriors sports medicine writer. She works at the Ohio State Medical Center. Dr. Earl, how's it going? Good. How are you guys? 
Great. Excellent. We're doing awesome. We're, we're doing really well. Although Johnny's probably going to like tell you about, you know, some injuries that he's suffered and try to get. <laughs> I some literally, I, I was thinking about that and I was like, that's probably <laughs> not super appropriate, but <laughs> I have other questions. So it's fine. So we, we, we appreciate you coming on. We wanted to, to talk to you a little bit. Obviously the, you know, Anytime you're talking about sports and you talk about a team, you, there's always injuries and things you have to deal with. And, of course, when you lose a two-time uh, conference player of the year like Braxton Miller, everybody mm-hmm. wants to know sort of the ins and outs of that injury and, and what happened. So so kind of on a basic level, because we're all too dumb to go to medical school, tell us like what happened to Braxton's shoulder, basically. Yeah, of course. So Braxton, he retore his right labrum. Um, so he had an initial tear and then a surgery, and then he had a re-tear. Um, and the mechanism of his re-injury was kind of a fluke thing, kind of a rare thing, because he was just passing, you know, a routine throw in practice. He wasn't tackled. He didn't land on his shoulder. Um, so it's kind of rare for him to tear that labral cartilage that way, but it's not out of the realm of possibility as we're all too familiar with now. Um, and that injury, it's a tough one. So when you have that cartilage and it gets a little tear in it, it's really nagging and really annoying, especially for a sports person who throws all the time. Um, so anytime you keep irritating that little tear cartilage, you're getting inflammation in this tight joint space. So it's a really small little space. And when you have inflammation that you're trying to, like, fit into that tight space, it gets really angry and irritated, and it's excruciatingly painful. So, unfortunately, that injury doesn't heal well if it's, you know, left to its own devices. You really do need a surgical intervention. Um, So that's, of course, the bad news. That's what we already know. We've gone to counseling. We've gone through the five stages of grief. We've processed it. Um, but I think there's a lot of good news coming up for Braxton. I mean, he he's worked so hard in his rehab, and he's really, like, capitalized on the opportunity to take this, I guess, window of time that he has rehabbing to work on. It seems like every other aspect of his game that he can. I mean, he's on Twitter at, I don't know, 4 in the morning posting about his workouts and showing us his defined musculature. So he's, he's obviously working hard. Um, but he also has, like, resources, like the best resources ever. So he has Ohio State Sports Medicine, and then he has Dr. Andrews and that whole team. So he's really set up, you know, for success. I think I think that whatever capacity we see him come back in the fall, and there's obviously talk of him, you know, is he going to do another position or what's he going to do? Either way, he's sitting up as a bar guy, and we love watching him. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting to see what he can do. You know what, I've got a lot of kind of general, I guess, sports medicine questions. And, and one of the things that I was thinking about earlier, especially with football, and, and actually we talked a little bit about with uh, Eric, uh, you know, one of our beat writers, about um, Sam Hubbard, a, a player who came in at Ohio State at about 225. He's about six foot five, and now he's probably pushing about 270, 275. How, so, I guess this is, this is kind of tangential to that, but... In high school, I was about 165, and now I'm about 205. And I like to say, think that I like keep active and I work out and stuff like that. But I know that I probably can't put on that kind of significant amount of weight beyond that. And I kind of wonder, what does an extra 
maybe 50 to 60 pounds of like carrying weight due to an athlete's body while they're playing football and things like that. And how, how long is that sustainable for, I guess? Can I first ask you if you're going to take a selfie in the mirror and post it on Twitter? I absolutely am not going to do that because some of my students follow me on Twitter and that would be the end of Johnny Ginter. I think. Yeah, no, it's, um, when you put on extra weight, you're adding, I mean, really you're adding a lot of pounds of pressure to your joints. Like I think every pound of extra weight is like somewhere between three and nine extra pounds of pressure on your knees. Um, so, I mean, usually I work with that in the other way. Like, if somebody has arthritis and they want to lose weight, it's, like, encouraging. Like, every pound you lose, you're going to take this much pressure off your knees and feel that much better. But, yeah, I mean, certainly your body frame has limits and everyone has a different bone structure. So, some people can't really handle that kind of extra weight. Um, and a lot of times it's done gradually, so maybe it's not noticed, you know, in a big way. But it sounds like you said Sam Hubbard, he's been on, what, 50 pounds? Yeah, well, yeah, somewhere around that area. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously they, they have, like, strength and conditioning coaches and people who are making sure that they're doing everything the right way. Um, but, yeah, it certainly adds pressure to your joints for the non-sports person, I guess. <laughs> do, like, I mean, do joints adjust to that? Can they strengthen in addition to, like, the muscle around it, or do they not maybe, you know, get as strong as fast as maybe the other things do? You can absolutely, like, work on the musculature that supports your joints and do, like, specific exercises to kind of build up what's around your joints, um, and that's encouraged. Are you asking for yourself right now? No, just in general. I mean, I, I just think it's really fascinating <laughs> because, like, these guys put on, you know, dozens of pounds of muscle in a very short time yeah. span. And I've always oh, thought, yeah. especially, like, offensive linemen, you know, how that affects their bodies in the long term. Because you talk about offensive linemen with their knee problems, ankle problems, things like that, or, you know, even in baseball, oh, like, yeah. say, a catcher. You know, I, I just think it's really interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. You can, yeah, you can certainly do it. I guess it's called kind of like prehab, like pre-rehab, where you right. support, you know, the surrounding joint structures to prepare for that kind of thing. But these guys are young and healthy. But it's true, a lot of them do end up having problems later in life and, um, I think there's still a lot of research being done to see how that can be prevented for sure. So like we're, we're just talking about the, you know, putting muscle on and that kind of thing. And, and, you know, you got a guy like Adolphus Washington who came into Ohio state as a defensive end and then he played nose tackle last year. So he obviously had to bulk up quite a bit. Is that something where the strength coach will talk to like team physicians and say, Based on this guy's body, what can we do with him? Do they have those conversations? Does it get that involved? Um, I'm not really sure on the conversations that the strength coach had as far as, like, establishing goals and coming up with, you know, I, I think he's better at this weight or in this position. Um, I think it's certainly assessed with each athlete how they can best maximize um, their potential and really optimize the position that, they, that they'll be playing. Um yeah, but I don't know exactly the details of what goes into those conversations. Was that like a dumb question? Was that like a David Letterman stupid <laughs> no, question no, from no. like his last year? <laughs> no, it was a good question. <laughs> uh, uh, so getting back to uh, Dr. Andrews, because this is like the one doctor in like the entire country that everybody knows who he is that watches sports. What mm -hmm. sets him apart from like all the other orthopedic surgeons? Like why is he the guy? He's great. So his story is really kind of fascinating. He, um, when he was starting out in like the 80s, I believe, 
he did a surgery on Roger Clemens, um, and then Roger Clemens came back and won the Cy Young Award. And then he did a surgery on Jack Nicklaus, and then Jack Nicklaus came back and I won, I believe it was a Masters. Just kind of these two, like, events that happened, and everyone was like, this guy's amazing, like, he creates miracles, he fixes these guys, and then they go and win the biggest award in their sport. So it was like, these two cases really set him up to be the guy that everybody wants to go to. And really he is like people travel to him. He's not, you know, going to see people. People are setting up flights across the country to go visit him. And he's an excellent surgeon. Um, I think it's bionics. I think he's putting bionics in people. (laughs) Yeah. Something. Yeah. He does great work for sure. He's the best. Yeah. I, I think it's really fascinating how, I mean, my mom had open heart surgery when she was really young and the guy who, uh, operated was Dr. DeBakey and, you know, he went on to do some really crazy things and, and heart medicine, things like that. And I, I just think those guys like who kind of revolutionize, uh, medicine and, and find out different techniques. I just think that's fascinating. Um, so my question was a little more generalized again, I guess. And what kind of injuries, do people not necessarily think about? So let's say, you know, like I want to play softball or I want to, you know, start running or something like that. What are some injuries that people don't always think about that maybe they could take steps to prevent? Don't always think about? Um, Probably like the chronic overuse type things, like the tendinopathies and the bursitis, a bursa. So bursas are just like these little sacks of fluid that surround like ligaments and joints that kind of are support structures. And those can become inflamed with overuse. Um, and so those are kind of injuries that, I mean, when people think of injuries, they think of ACL tear, they think of the big, like, event-type injuries, the um, acute injuries. But definitely the overuse injuries are more common and certainly preventable. Um, that's just, like, proper, um, I guess, when you prepare to start an exercise program or a sport, it's like ramping up gradually instead of just jumping right in, which is sometimes what you're tempted to do. But um, definitely a gradual increase in your activity and making sure that you're stretching. And there's also, like I said before, prehab programs where you can do sport-specific training to strengthen various muscle groups that may be more weak or or address any gait imbalances that you might have. Um, So, yeah, that would be my advice for sure. You know, I'm glad you brought up the overuse thing because um, one of the injuries that Ohio State had to deal with last year was the tendonitis in, in both knees of Johnny Dixon. And, and yeah. to me, it's like a, a kid that young having tendonitis that badly in two knees to the point of needing surgery. I don't know, how does a person bounce back from something like that? Because that seems like something that would be a chronic condition that might not get better. Yeah, so he his story is also it's a really cool story. It's interesting. When I heard that he was having surgery on both knees, I was like confused. I was like, why? I mean, he's so young. And then I was reading about his story, and he's really been dealing with this issue for a few years, like two to three years, um, since he was an upperclassman in high school. And so when you fail conservative measures to address tendinopathy, um, surgery is kind of the next best thing. It's like almost a last resort option. Um, I think it was great that Ohio State decided to do that for him uh, his first year because now he's going to get this like chronic nagging annoying issue out the way and then he can just have hopefully now a full healthy career. Um, 
he had to have been like so frustrated. But then when you think about how good he did, how well he performed in high school when he was being recruited and he was doing that on like two bad knees, it's really exciting to think about how, how well he's going to do when he comes back in the fall. He's on a good trajectory to be back, I think, um, for next season. And it's going to be, it's going to be really exciting to see how, how he performs with two healthy knees. Yeah, that's that's something I think a lot of Ohio State fans are looking forward to. Um, yeah. So my next question, this kind of, I mean, this is a big topic in, in sports, but especially in football. Um, concussions obviously are a huge, huge thing that has been on everybody's radar for the past several years here, especially, you know, in the Big Ten with uh, Shane Morris being left in the game by Brady Hoke, and that was obviously a huge controversy. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things that we see when, when people – you know, any any players kind of showing signs of a concussion is that they go through what we call the you know the concussion protocol, but I don't know that necessarily people know what that means. So can you talk maybe a little bit about what that protocol entails and and what the process is to evaluate whether a player has gotten a concussion or not? Right. Yeah. So concussions have definitely been controversial in sports medicine for a while, um, and I think now they're really starting to implement more and more measures to make sure that we're not having these dramatic, um, kind of devastating, really devastating outcomes. Um, so when someone has, when an athlete has a suspected concussion, that can be identified um, by the athletic trainers and they pull them off or the team physician and they pull them off. And when they're pulled off the field, the physician should be doing an assessment, a sideline assessment. So there's different, um, I guess, standardized sideline assessments. One of them is called, like, the SCAT-2, S-C-A-T. And you're just asking questions to uh, look at, I guess, what symptoms is the athlete experiencing? Is there headache? Is there confusion? Are they vomiting? Are they dizzy? How's their balance? Um, Concussions is a a functional disturbance. There's nothing really structurally going on wrong. and they're really diagnosed clinically. So they're diagnosed by what symptoms is the athlete experiencing. Um, and a lot of schools now, which I think is awesome, are implementing where they do a pre-season assessment. So they'll have these athletes sit in front of a computer and do a concussion assessment on the computer. And so they have a baseline measure of what the athlete is like when they're healthy. And then when they repeat that when there's a suspected concussion, they can compare um compare the two scores and then the biggest thing as far as treating a concussion and managing it is the appropriate amount of rest and that's huge if an athlete comes back too soon after a concussion they can get what's called second impact syndrome where they don't have a fully recovered concussion they still have concussion signs and symptoms and they get hit again and they get another concussion and that uh, that's the that's the syndrome that has a really devastating outcome it creates like this whole crazy cascade of molecular events in the brain. Um, and so that's what we want to avoid for sure. Wow. Uh, <laughs> man, <laughs> that's that, you know, this is great stuff and we could probably do like two or three shows just on, on all this, especially I'm, I'm very, um, it's really interesting. Very like I, I just, you know, the mechanics, especially with the way athletes are these days, like, it, it's a really fascinating field. I'm really glad we were able to have you on to talk about it. No, yeah, they, yeah uh, these guys are these guys are just getting so big and so fast, and the game is so the collisions are so violent that it's just uh, it, it's just amazing that the human body can withstand some of this stuff. So it's it's, it's certainly interesting to to learn about it. 
Uh, speaking of learning about things, I think we need to learn some things uh, by going to our Ask Us Anything. Yeah, let's segment. Ask Us Anything. Uh, Yay! Yeah. <laughs> All right, so, uh, Dr. Earl, uh, we have a thing where people write in questions to us, and, and they can ask us anything. They can ask us literally anything about anything. It doesn't matter. Uh, we usually give pretty stupid answers. So I'm excited <laughs> about it. People can ask us anything by hitting us up on Twitter. You can send a tweet to at 11dubcast, or you can email us, ele- or just dubcast at 11warriors.com, uh, and it could be anything, just whatever stupid things on your mind. Please please ask us. We're very lonely. Um, so we actually, we got a couple questions this week. The first, <laughs> that's kind of, that was a sad little pause. I didn't intend it to be like that. Uh, okay, so we got, we got two questions this week. Um, the first one. That's sad. <laughs> The first one is from our very own Nick Jervy. Nick never leaves us hanging when we put that call out for questions. You know what I mean? Like, 11 Warrior Bros helping out 11 Warrior Bros. Anyway, he says, what are the best HBO shows ranked from best to worst? Uh, I don't know. I, I'm not going to – there's like a billion. I'm going to say John from Cincinnati. What do you think, Michael? What do you, what do you think the best HBO show is? I'm kidding. By the way, it's not John from Cincinnati. It's probably uh, I. I gotta go with wasn't wasn't the Wire a, yeah, an HBO show? Yeah, I, the Wire was phenomenal. I mean, uh, yeah, that's that's probably you know Game of Thrones is probably up there. Um, True Detective season one was certainly amazing. Uh, but yeah, I, I gotta go with the Wire. All right, what do you what do you think, Doctor? What what is your what is your favorite HBO show? You guys, this is so embarrassing. So I don't even have HBO or watch HBO. <laughs> you know what? I get it for free somehow, so don't worry about it. I don't know why I get it. I don't know how. I don't pay for it. So, you know, I'd be in your same spot if Time Warner didn't screw up. So I get it. It's, 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 it's just say just just say G-string divas and, and you're you're good. That's all. You know, yeah, that's totally. I was just, that's what I was thinking. So perfect. <laughs> uh, career Enthusiasm is another good one. I like that one a lot. Um Okay, so the other one was I want to get the wording like correct on this because this was a was a very specific question. Um, all right, so from Mr. Andrew Hare, and that is the name he wants to go by. JT Cardale and Braxton compete on an episode of American Gladiators to determine the starter. Who wins each event and who wins overall? And I, I in preparation for this. I decided. By the way, uh, Doctor, do you did you watch American Gladiator? No. <laughs> okay, that's fine because okay. events are fairly self-descriptive, and I don't think it's going to matter that much. Michael, did you watch American Gladiator? I was a big fan of American Gladiator back in the day. Mike Adamley and Larry Zonka on the call. Uh, yeah, I, I liked it. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> how about this? Let's do uh, Human Cannonball. All right. The object of this game was simple. Swing on a rope from an elevator platform and try to knock a gladiator off a pedestal some distance away. Which of the three quarterbacks, Dr. Earl, do you think would be best at doing that? Oh, wow. Obviously, Cardell. He's, like, so pumped right. up on Chipotle. He's like he a cannonball. What? He's like a cannonball. I, I completely he's a cannonball. Yeah, he's ready to go. I would say Cardell for sure. Yeah, I think Correct answer. Yes, yes. Pretty easy. I agree. Right. How about Jack? Uh, Jowls. Joust? Joust. I can't talk right now. Joust. Uh, basically, they stand on two platforms, and they just have to, like, smack each other with big foam Q-tips until somebody falls off. Uh, who would be the best at that? Michael. Uh, I'm going to start with Mike uh, on this one. Okay. I'm, I'm, again, I'm going to go with Cardale because of his reach. Okay. I think he, he would be uh, 
he would be very difficult to knock off of there because of his size and uh, you know he's just solidly built. I, I think Cardell would be probably the best of the three at that. Although I think Braxton also would be very good at that. Okay, Doctor, what do you think? This is very serious. I'm going to go with Braxton. I'm not sure if he's been medically cleared to be jousting yet, but <laughs> if he's why not? I think he's excellent. Uh, I actually going to agree. I think Braxton would win this. I think he's the shiftiest of all of them, and I think he would he would you know score a surprise upset. I think people would go with the reach, but I don't think that always wins it. I think he's going to win and he's going to dodge and he's going to be good. Um, okay, yeah. this is everyone's favorite. This is uh, I think it's called. Is it Powerball? Yeah, it's, no, it's not Powerball. What's it called? You know what I'm talking about, Michael. Uh, is that the one where they're dunking the footballs in the barrel? No, but I'm thinking of the, I'm thinking of something else. It's the one with the uh, they're basically in the hamster wheel or hamster ball. The human cannibal? No, they already talked about that one. Uh, okay, is that the one where they have to like Atlas they have to roll it? Yeah, Atlas. They have to roll it onto a platform, and then steam shoots up. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. So in, yeah, this, in this one, they're in like a big hamster ball, and they're just rolling it around, and they have to like get it on these like like these these pod things to score. And the more person who gets the most of these wins, and then they try to get bumped off, and it's like just like a big, it's like billiards or something. Um, I think I actually think JT Barrett is going to do this because I think he has. I, I just think he's got the vision. To, to dominate in atmosphere. I think Cardell is going to take some time to try to figure the thing out. And uh, I don't know. I don't know if Braxton's the wild card in this or not. But, Dr. Earl, what do you think? Uh, oh, my goodness. Okay, so he basically has... <laughs> it's really, I don't know that I really painted the picture on this, but whatever. <laughs> okay, so he's in a hamster wheel. Um, well, a ball, like a big hamster ball. Okay. I'm going to go with J.T. Barrett. Um, yes, just copy my answer. I'm not sure why. I've never pictured him being, you know, especially proficient at a hamster ball, but that's what I'm going to go with. All right. Do well. that's, a good, that's a good answer. I'm going to take Braxton in this one because of his combination of, of speed and strength now that he's all bulked up with the, uh, okay. with, the gi- with the gym body. That's fair enough. I don't think I've watched enough American Gladiator to adequately explain these events that I'm reading off of Wikipedia, <laughs> which, by the way, is an incredibly extensive entry. This has to be at least like seven or eight thousand <laughs> words describing all of the different, like, I don't know. There's like rocket ball, sky track. I don't know what the hell this is. Whatever. Uh, who who wins? Who wins? Let's just do it. Who wins? Oh, oh man. who wins overall? Yeah, who wins overall? Who wins this ridiculous situation that Andrew Hare has set up for us. I gotta go hmm. Braxton. Yeah. And you know what? This answer determines who's gonna be the starting quarterback, so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I like I like Braxton's uh combination of, of speed and strength in in many of these categories. And I think he would have trouble I think the gladiators would have trouble in that uh you know, the one where he's, like, running, trying not to get hit with tennis balls. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, I think he'd really be hard to hit. Oh, God. Yeah, I think Braxton is probably – I agree with you guys. I think Braxton's going to take it. He was – he was. you know what? He really should drop out of football and go in to be a professional American gladiator because I think this is, like – this is his jam. He should definitely do this. And, you know what, Dr. Earl, I appreciate you answering these questions. Um, of course. This is definitely the most labor-intensive part of the podcast for us. It's what we think about the most. So I really appreciate you helping us out. That's that's definitely that something. That, yeah, that's good. Thank you. Yeah, As, thank and, you, uh, jo- And Johnny, well, before we let her go, 
Yeah. We we also have to have uh, this this segment can't end unless you tell people how they can ask us anything. Well, I believe I mentioned before, but I'm going to try to do it better this time. You can send us a do tweet better. at eleven dubcast, or you can email uh, us at dubcast at elevenwarriors.com, which we That's never right. check. So send us send us a tweet. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't matter if I check it because I have it forwarded to my inbox. Oh, there you go. Very good. Very so there fancy. You go. Pants. So, yeah, fancy. I'm technologically sound. Nice. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Earl, thanks so much for joining us, and we look forward to more of your columns at 11 Warriors. Thank you very much. Have a great day, guys. Bye. All right, so uh, we're going to put the uh, bow on this thing and and call it an 11 Dubcast for the month of – we're still in June? We are, yes. Luckily, we're almost out of June, and that's already causing me some anxiety, but yes. (laughs) Uh, we're still in June. Oh, goodness. Uh, so, yeah, uh, before we get out of here, we, of course, want to thank again our guests, Eric Sager, uh, the 11 Warriors football beat writer. He was really good. We're going to have to have him on again soon. Yes. And, uh, of course, Dr. Aloya Earl yeah. from the Ohio State Medical Center. Also and great. also Good information yes. from both uh, people who work their butts off of their jobs. I, I think that's awesome. I like I like the synergy. I like the 11 Warriors synergy that we're able to uh, create tonight. Yeah, sometimes you just have to have on the the personalities from the site, you know. Sometimes yeah. our famous 11 Warriors. They don't they they work so hard that during the season we rarely are able to get a hold of them. Right. Uh and they're so Switch exhausted. The beat, guys. Yeah, they they're so exhausted they would be just worthless like in the middle of a <laughs> the season really, but um they're just tired cuz Jason works them so hard. Uh, <laughs> he makes them do a lot of stuff. He, he's very hard on this. More staff. content! <laughs> uh, very, div- very difficult, very taskmastery kind of guy, our Jason. Uh, oh, but before we sign off for the month of June, Johnny, uh, you know, we have to do our final question. So yeah, I've got a question it. for you. Give me a question. I want to hear it. All right. In the sad basement that is now full of water. <laughs> right. Of one Urban Meyer, uh, on that that sad old television that you ridiculed for so long. Get a better what, TV. You're worth millions of dollars. <laughs> what does Urban Meyer watch on TVs? I'm sorry. Ask what, is, question. what does he watch on that television? What, what does he watch Urban on that watch specific television? On that specific television. Yes. He probably watches uh, old VHS cassettes of his Bowling Green games, like all the all the like game tape that they got. He probably just like sticks it in the the attached VCR. That's at the bottom of the TV, and he probably sits in like a you know like a folding chair, like a metal folding chair, and just watches old Bowling Green games. And then he like probably has he probably has a gigantic stack of tapes from Utah and Bowling Green, and he's like, God, I'm missing something. What can I get? What can I learn to beat Nick Saban? And uh, it's you know it's horrible quality, and it's probably like it's probably like. Um, the VHS copy of Half Baked that was at the Blockbuster in Middletown, and that there's just a couple parts that were con- like totally worn down because people kept rewinding it and like them playing it. Um, mm-hmm. And that's probably that's probably what he's got just a collection of crappy VHS Bowling Green game tapes. Uh, what what do you uh, think he's got or had because now they're all ruined? Okay, well here's what I think that that Urban used that television for. I think he watched. I have nothing to back this up. This is just the vibe I get. Really? Because I've got tons of evidence to back up. Urban gets, Urban gets home. He doesn't have a lot of downtime to That's relax true. and unwind. And when he comes home, he just needs to unplug completely from football. 
but he's still a competitive guy. Mm-hmm. So Urban watches the Game Show Network on, <laughs> and he watches like old reruns of Match Game and you know like Tic Tac Doe and stuff like that. That's he not, watches that on on that uh, particular the, the television. Four thousand dollar pyramid or whatever it is. Like. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And you know that kind of stuff. Uh, some maybe some old Family Feuds and Prices Rights. Right. And uh, and then when he gets a little bit tired of that and he's had enough, a couple hours of that, he gets up and he flips the switch on the back, mm-hmm. a little switch, and he plays ColecoVision. <laughs> uh, I, I would love to see, like, Irv Meyer play Pong against somebody to see what he does. I, you know what? Maybe maybe he uh, watches, like, maybe maybe it is a second taste. So maybe it's, like, a bunch of, like, Love Boat, you know, episodes that he recorded when he was, like, a... You know, when he was a grad intern or whatever, just starting out, that's how he reminisces. And he's like, oh, this is this is my past. And he just goes back in time. Uh, Barbie Benton's on this week. Oh, it's a good episode. I know, right? Like, just, you know, <laughs> that's, I, that's, that's him. That's Urban Meyer. That's that's the coach we all know him <laughs> That's all. That's our herbs, you know. And where are you going to get this kind of insight into Coach Urban Meyer the, the future Hall of Famer. That's really the best podcast kind of on the internet. Let's be honest. It's, it's pretty great. Um, you don't get this information anywhere else. I'm guaranteeing that. No, you don't. You absolutely don't. We, we are the best. And, Michael, I appreciate You know, it's, it's kind of weird because we, we have the slower summer and we only talk to each other once a month, like via Skype and all that. But I miss it a little bit. I'm, I'm looking forward to looking forward to next next month, and hopefully it's just as boring as this one was. Yeah, let's have another uh, sort of uneventful month between now and, and the uh, the end of July, and we'll be back with uh, more stories of Urban Meyer's basement yeah. uh, next month. So uh, until then, uh, I am Michael Citro. I am Johnny Ginter. And we'll see you next month. Peace. Peace.